Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. Absolutely. And, you know, that really goes to two points. Um, that goes to the point of, uh, so you got the inverter technology, so it's making the temperature uh, as efficiently as possible. But then when you get into the zoning room by room, not only can each room have its own temperature, but you can also dial it in so that if you're downstairs uh, watching the game, uh, you don't need the bedroom upstairs at the same temperature. When you when you settle in for the night, you don't need to condition the whole house uh, to the temperature that makes you comfortable in the bedroom. And if kids uh, grow up and move out, uh, go off to school, whatever it may be, uh, you don't need to temper their room for the rest of the house. So really being able to zone uh, is, is a really big deal. It's a big energy saver. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House. This is where we talk home improvement every single week. Thanks for joining us. We have an old guest back in the studio today. We've had on before Dennis Stinson, Fujitsu General. Welcome back to Around the House, my friend. Uh, it's great to be back. It's been uh, way too long since I've had the pleasure of being on your show with you and looking forward to spending some time with you. Thanks for having us back. No problem. This is a lot of fun. You know, it's changed now. All of a sudden, with heating and cooling, I'm starting to see that there's going to be a ton of rebates this next year. The rules are going to change a little bit. Energy standards are changing. There's a lot of new stuff happening. Yeah, so we've uh, the last uh, couple of years, we've seen a lot of change, certainly with uh, supply and demand out in the marketplace. But then we're also seeing a lot of new regulations coming in. So we're seeing efficiency changes coming just the end of this year. So you'll see new ratings. So a lot of equipment will be changing and we're seeing a lot of incentives. So with that Inflation Reduction Act, we're seeing some very, very deep uh, incentives for consumers to be taking a look at their HVAC system. It's a good time. You know, it's going to be great, especially with the people out there that maybe they got a 25-year-old or older system. Maybe they're running on oil. You know, that's not getting any cheaper. And all these different systems, you know, it's going to be that time of year now looking ahead that we can use other people's money. That always saves us money in the long run. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So now is, you're exactly right. Again, Eric, spot on is that it's time for a consumer to uh, have a consultation or a conversation with their HVAC provider and uh, talk about what their system looks like. Is it time to make an upgrade to it? Uh, what can they expect out of it? And then do some good research, uh, certainly uh, through your resources and our resources, just to see what type of incentives are out there. Because uh, it's going to vary by state, uh, but they are very, very deep. Oh, man, I wonder now, are the lines going to be longer because we had our own supply issues? Now that we're putting money into that and all these new standards and new money coming in, could be a long wait. Yeah, we've had some good incentives coming back. Um, and now with uh, this new federal program, and that's going to get uh, administered at the state level. So it could look a little bit different throughout your listening area. Uh, so it's really a matter of taking a look at your local resources and seeing where they are. Certainly our 
website posts what it looks like locally. Uh, so as those programs continue to develop and come out, it'll be a good time to uh, take a hard look at it. But yes, uh, to move, uh, to embrace the heat pump movement, um, to uh, go towards uh, either sole source or primary source for uh, heat pumps for HVAC, uh, there's a lot of incredible incentives. And the incentives are there, Eric, because the equipment does what it needs to do. If we took a look back 20 years ago, um, you couldn't necessarily use a heat pump in most of North America uh, for your sole source of heating. The technology has come uh, light years ahead to where you can now use that as your sole source. You know, I remember that heat pump in my parents' house. And I was probably 10 years old, which would have been about wow, 1980 or so. My mom would always get mad. She'd walk right by. The red light had come on. She just couldn't keep that emergency heat from coming on when it'd be below like 30 degrees outside. Those days are gone. Yeah, for the most part that they're gone. Uh, when we take a look at the product that uh, we're bringing to market, we're looking at uh, over nameplate performance at minus 15 degrees Fahrenheit. So I mean, you take a 12,000 BTU system, a smaller system, and at minus 15 degrees, you're somewhere around 14 or 15,000 BTU. So you're you're doing more than uh, what we're what we're advertising it to be, which is outstanding. That's great. Most places in the country that can be used. I know an architect up in Maine that's using heat pumps and stuff. So I mean, it uh, other than maybe North and South Dakota. <laughs> well, it, it it may or may not surprise you. Uh, uh, in some of the coldest climates in the U.S. and certainly throughout Canada, uh, we are a lead provider in uh, in Canada for heat pumps. So I get a little bit of a chuckle when somebody in New Jersey says it won't keep me warm. Well, there's there's uh, 38 million Canadians that might uh, disagree with you. Yeah, that's nothing like a Canada because those guys know how to get cold up there. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, technology-wise, you know, it's been a couple of years, I think, since we talked. What's been going on with uh, Fujitsu General? Well, thanks for asking. So there's a, there's a lot of great things. We know that the, uh, at the heart of what we do is we manufacture heat pumps. At one point, we manufactured air conditioning and heat pumps, uh, but it only makes sense to manufacture heat pumps now. And we know that a heat pump is an air conditioner that works both ways. Uh, so... Primarily how they work is they take heat from one area and move it to another. So in the wintertime, they take heat from the outside, move it to the indoors. And in the summertime, they take it from the inside, move it outside. And that's called air conditioning. Um, how our products work are and how many products moving forward are working is inverter technology. So what that means is we convert AC to DC and all that's kind of neat and gee whiz. But what that really means is, is that the stuff ramps up and ramps down. So it's not just always on or always off. So it's like buying a radio with an on and off switch that it's always that volume. With us, we come with a volume control. So we're going to give you exactly what the room needs. And really what that translates to is comfort. So you're not overshooting or undershooting. So the temperature that you dial in is what's going to be delivered. But also, why burn Why burn more electricity when you don't need to, if you just need to come on a little bit and hover? So staying along that idea of that technology, we've embraced more and more ducted products. Uh, so now we're looking at the, that capacity being used as drop-in for traditional HVAC systems. So if you have uh, if you have uh, ductwork in your house and you like it and it's operational and it uh, distributes the air good throughout the house, then we have products to be able to do that. Um, so we've expanded that product offering, but then we're also looking at a lot of new control systems as well. Uh, so we know that today's consumer is 
not just so much at touching that thermostat on the wall with on off. We want to see on off and we want to see uh, programming. We want to be able to uh, program that from our phone from anywhere in the world. We want that to be able to work with other apps. So when it gets cold outside, the heat comes on and uh, the Sonos plays uh, White Christmas and all different kinds of things. So we now see that interaction uh, to getting into the smart home, which is uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, I love that. And that's the thing with the inverter technology. It does so much, you know, because when you're sitting in that hotel room, for instance, and all you hear is that thing cranking on high, it's kicking off and on. And then with inverter technology, there's times you're not even hearing that thing on and it's running away doing what it's supposed to. Yeah. What uh, my, uh, one of our uh, directors was originally doing a video in front of one of our pieces of equipment and uh, the person that was doing the video said, okay, now do it when the equipment's running. Well, it is running. It's that quiet. So to your point, you'll notice a couple of things with inverter technology is when it turns on, you're probably not going to hear it turn on. The lights in the house are not going to dim because the initial amp charge going into it. And when it runs, it's going to run extremely quiet compared to what we're used to. Uh, so when you are now that we have zero sight lines in houses and now that uh, we're living a little closer to each other, uh, being respectful of your neighbor with noise and things that uh, always helps. And then encouraging your neighbor to do the same thing is uh, uh, is helpful as well. And you guys have really come a long way as well with your multi-room mini split systems. There's a lot of different ways to do it. We don't have to have that big, you know, white box on the wall, for instance. Yeah. So we know that the way we got started in the market is to have that wall mount unit. And that's still by far our most popular. But we also know that different architecture and different room shapes, uh, that may not always be the best way to go. So certainly we have that wall mount product, uh, but then we also have a console. So a console is going to look a lot like, uh, like a radiator. Uh, it's going to be white. It's going to be clean. It's going to be a Euro style, but it's going to sit low on the wall and it's going to be relatively square. Uh, so that's going to be able to distribute the air nice and evenly throughout. Then we have ceiling cassettes, and these are about two by two, and they don't have to go into a drop ceiling. They can go into a regular drywall ceiling, but that's going to give you 360-degree air movement uh, throughout the room, so it, it conditions it really well. And then we have that whole line of duct-to-ductless. So we have uh, low static, medium static, and high static, and, and to those that aren't familiar with static, that means how much air can we push out through it. So how far and uh, how much is uh, really what static is going to dictate. So if I want to do one room on its own, or I want to do the three bedrooms upstairs and do the master bedroom differently, and so I can really zone out my house based on how I use it. And, um, you know, so that takes you into the conversation. If I like to sleep at 68 and the kids like to sleep at 72, nobody's freezing, no blankets. We just dial in that comfort that we're looking for and everybody's happy. And that's amazing. The one thing I liked about the slim duct is the noise levels on the decibels on that. That thing, I mean, 28, 25, 24 decibels, that is so much quieter than your quietest dishwasher. You're barely hearing that thing. No, you're uh, you're not hearing the mechanical side of it. You might hear a little air movement, but you're not hearing the mechanical side of it. When you get down that low in dBs, uh, you're hearing air, you're not hearing mechanical. Exactly. The nice thing is, is, the best HVAC system, and you know this, the best HVAC system is one you don't even recognize in the house. So you don't know when it comes on. You don't know when it turns off, either by sound or comfort. It just gives you that temperature that you want. 
and does it efficiently. So you got to be comfortable in the wallet too. And the cool thing is, is when systems are quiet and they're running efficiently, that's saving you a bunch of money. Absolutely. And, you know, that really goes to two points. Um, that goes to the point of, uh, so you got the inverter technology, so it's making the, 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 the temperature uh, as efficiently as possible. But then when you get into the zoning room by room, not only can each room have its own temperature, but you can also dial it in so that if you're downstairs uh, watching the game, uh, you don't need the bedroom upstairs at the same temperature. When you, when you settle in for the night, you don't need to condition the whole house uh, to the temperature that makes you comfortable in the bedroom. And if kids uh, grow up and move out, uh, go off to school, whatever it may be, uh, you don't need to temper their room for the rest of the house. So really being able to zone uh, is, is a really big deal. It's a big energy saver. Well, it is. And I think about how many houses over the years that I've owned that were your traditional two-story house, right? Living space down below, bedrooms upstairs. You're getting to be 95 in July. And all of a sudden, upstairs is 15 degrees hotter than downstairs. So to be 70 degrees upstairs when I want to go to bed, I'm 60 at best downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, you're real, you're over conditioning the house, and and we know why that is, right? We know that um, the HVAC system upstairs is not adequate to move enough air. So whether that's the size of the ductwork or the status pressure that it's overcoming, uh, but upgrading to a higher, more efficient piece of equipment doesn't fix the problem. It just makes you uncomfortable more efficiently. So the the only way to do that is either to redesign your ductwork, or in that instance. Uh, we say supplement it with um, with one of our products. So, you know, we got our start by being spot heating and cooling. You know, we started with the sunrooms, we started with the basements, we started with the supplemental areas, and then have now grown into whole house and year-round uh, whole house. Um, but there's no reason why you can't say, you know what, the, the bedroom is uh, is extremely uncomfortable. To redesign the ductwork is unreasonable at this point, but I'd like to be comfortable. So there's no reason why you don't just supplement that room with its with its own system. Well, it's smart, Dennis. I mean, you can sit there and spend $20,000 trying to redesign that ductwork going upstairs in a heartbeat. And you can put in a, a mini split upstairs for a fraction of that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and that's that's the whole idea. When you take a look at how intrusive that might be to change or upgrade that ductwork, um, you know, you're not just talking about ductwork. Now you're talking about potentially drywall. You're talking about matching painting. You're talking about every every home improvement project tends to spiral a little bit. I'm I'm living proof of that. So they tend to keep going uh, and 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 become much more than what you anticipated. Uh, so. But, you know, along that line, the last couple of years with the craziness that's been happening in the world with, um, you know, the pandemic and hybrid working and all of that, we now find that we're using our homes entirely different than we did three years ago. So we now find that our home is an education center for the kids. It's uh, it's a workspace for mom and dad because we have hybrid uh, learning centers now and we're using it for just a whole lot of different uses that that the house probably wasn't built to do. So now we have maybe that family room that the original HVAC doesn't quite do what we needed to do because we got more people, more processes, more equipment in there than than what we originally thought. So so looking us as spot heating and cooling is a is a great way to do it um, if those challenges are there. 
You know, it's funny. There's that bedroom over the garage or the, or this, or that Dan over the garage, you know, that large space that people put in and builders do in the nineties and two thousands and 2010s. And those places were, I don't know why, but they always designed that system in there to be much smaller than what it needs to be. It's too hot. It's too cold. And now you've got kids, maybe two or three in there trying to do schoolwork in a space that was never designed for that. You're exactly right. So we know that, uh, I mean, uh, our history is, uh, and your history is, you know that uh, when you take a gable of a garage um, and go to insulate it, you can't pack enough insulation that it's going to get warm. Um, and then you put it over top of a garage. So you've got a room that's that's three-sided because of the gable. And uh, they're all exposed to the outside in an untempered garage in, in the northern part of the U.S. So now you got a recipe for it never really being comfortable. It's going to be subjected to uh, the heat, and it's also going to be subjected to the cold. So putting a good supplemental system in there makes a lot of sense. You know, all too often we see whether somebody's finishing a basement or a family room that they say that, well, we'll just cut into the existing system. Uh, the existing system was probably not meant for that additional load. So not only does it make the addition uh, uncomfortable, you've also now pulled the capacity out of the rest of the house. So you made everybody else in the house uncomfortable uh, by trying to do that. So there, there's reasons why you want to spend the time and do it right. Um, and, uh, and I would always suggest uh, taking a hard look or partnering up with, uh, with a really good HVAC contractor. They know what they're doing. No question. And then a number of years ago, you guys got into the full ducted heat pump and air conditioning world. Yeah. So, you know, you and I have spent uh, some time talking about our residential product and that's our H series product. And that's, that's a ductless offering. So it's ducted and ductless offering. And that takes us from 9,000 BTUs or three quarters of a ton up to uh, four ton product. And that can be single zone. So one to one, and that can be multi zone. So I can do is up to five indoor heads on one outdoor unit. So we can really zone that house, but that's part of our product line. We also have uh, VRF, which is a variable refrigerant flow product. And that's the same idea. It's a heat pump. It is uh, inverter technology. But with that, uh, we change the refrigerant, how we manage the refrigerant cycle a little bit differently. But now I am going into very large homes and I'm going into commercial properties. So me being able to do the school gymnasium is well within my reach now. Uh, me being able to do commercial properties and apartment buildings and things of that nature. So I guess for the purpose of our conversation here is, is that we're really not limited based on your listeners, uh, either commercial properties or on their residential properties. We have product line to be able to cover all of that. And it's huge because there are people that are in our listening audience that have that basement swimming pool that have some of those things that there's not really a great small residential fix for. Correct. We're, uh, you know, it's not uncommon in the part of the world that I live in, in uh, central Pennsylvania, that we may take a pole barn and turn it into a good working shop. We may, we may do things uh, with, uh, with the accessory buildings on the lot. Um, so we need a way to heat and cool that. And uh, certainly we have the size and capacity to be able to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. We've got some great Pennsylvania listeners out there on the radio. We've got uh, our friends out in WEEU and... Uh, Reading PA. And I tell you what, I was surprised being an, a Pacific Northwest person, how many homes out there still use oil for heat? Yeah. So I, 
you know, we are, um, you know, we get cold. Um, so huh? we are, uh, uh, we've looked at a lot of different sources of heat throughout central PA. We've had a, a very robust uh, oil industry and still do. And many in the oil industry are installing our product. Uh, so they're um, uh, installing our product along with taking care of their oil customers. Uh, we have uh, in our metropolitan areas, we're very robust in natural gas. And then in the rural areas, we're also uh, pretty robust with uh, uh, liquid propane uh, side as well. So Pennsylvania really is very diverse uh, in terms of its fuel sources coming in. But we're watching the momentum for heat pumps, number one, because the technology has gotten so good and the heating is so good. Um, and then we're seeing the incentives come through for uh, giving it a hard look. So when it works and you're being incentivized to do it, uh, you tend to lean that way. It's funny. I was just talking to my brother. He doesn't live far from you. He's over in Harrisburg and uh, he's got oil in his house. And we just had this conversation last week because he's got a 25 year old system. And I said, why don't you wait till the first of the year and start doing your research on it? Because it's time. It, it may very well be time. You know, there is in, uh, you know, in all transparency, I would love to tell you that a heat pump is the right thing for everybody all the time. But we know that no one source is the best solution for everybody. Um, I think we win more than we don't, uh, but that's where a really good HVAC contractor comes in and sits down and says, okay, what's, what makes sense for you to be able to do this? What is your current system in here? Are you forced air? Are you baseboard? Are you hydronics? I mean, what is your, what is your source of heat in the house? And uh, what's gonna make sense for us moving forward? Yeah, no question. And to all our oil fans out there, I tell you what, I had an oil furnace and I love the heat that came out of that. What I didn't like was the maintenance. Yeah, I mean, anything's going to require maintenance and certainly oil is is on the stronger side of being maintained and you and you want to maintain it. I mean, that's part and parcel of it. You want to maintain your car. Yeah. So uh, your HVAC system is no different. I get a little concerned when people say, uh, that the gas doesn't need maintenance or heat pumps don't need maintenance. I think that's wrong. I think uh, 100%. everything mechanical is going to need some time to it. But there's no doubt that some are more uh, maintenance um, um, dependent than others. Yeah, we strongly recommend on this show that if you've got a HVAC, HVAC system out there that you're maintaining that thing every year, having somebody come out at least and eyeball that thing. And if you're in the southern state for maybe that BC's running nine months out of the air. I want to see them out there twice. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that is money well spent. So you and I have always had this conversation and we see eye to eye on it, that a, that a property owner should have a relationship with a couple of types of contractors, that you should have a relationship with an HVAC contractor. Don't wait till something's broke and the person that advertises the best is the guy that shows up. Doesn't mean they're not going to be very good, but it's good to know who you're going to call. You should know an electrician. You should know somebody that does roofing and siding. Uh, you get a storm come through. You got to know who you're going to call. Um, and then you should probably, uh, you know, if you, if you know a really good plumber. So if you know a plumber, electrician, an HVAC guy, and an exterior guy, you got most of your bases covered so that if something arises, you got it covered. Uh, but even if you've got questions, you got somebody that you know and trust that you can pick up the phone and say, does this make sense for me? Yeah, every time I've had a breakdown, I could have prevented it because I missed that service one year. That That's a humbling statement, isn't it? It is. It's my fault. <laughs> exactly. Yes, we've all been there. We've all been there. 
So smart home technology, what are you seeing now as everything's getting smart in our homes? What are you seeing with controls for HVAC with you guys now? So we're seeing a couple of different things. We are seeing that uh, our we have proprietary uh, thermostats and controls. And then we also have uh, converters that'll take us to others' controls as well. So what we find is, is that... Um, um, you know, we have uh, either wall mount or, wire, or wireless or wired controls for or all of our equipment. Everything can go one way or the other. Um, sometimes a consumer says, I would prefer to have a central control. And in most instances, we can address that. We also have Wi-Fi available for really all of our product. But sometimes consumers say, I don't know. I really like your Wi-Fi and I like how it works but I'm not sure that I want another app on my phone. I think I'd like to be able to tie into just to name a few, whether it be Nest or whatever one of the other uh, performers are, I'd like to be along that platform. So we've introduced a converter so that we can connect to any other thermostat that's out in the market. So again, if you're that person that wants one app on the phone to control lighting, control uh, the refrigerator, to control the garage door, to, to do all that, uh, then we can tie into that. And that's been a really, really strong um, uh, statement that we've been able to say for those that are looking to take their home down the smart technology. You know, that's great, especially with zone systems these days. I like to be able to control it for my phone because I can monitor it. I can go, ooh, that's going to get a little cold today or a little hot today. I better make sure that it's, I'm not always a set it and forget it guy. No, and I don't know that that's the right choice for everybody. And and the best news is is that if you're that that kind of person I am, uh, where you get halfway down the road and say that I turn off the lights, that I turn up the AC, that I did I did I did I. And if you have a, a second home or a vacation home or you have a rental property, it's always good to know that last person out the door uh, turned off the lights and uh, turned down the AC so that. Uh, so that you can address it from that standpoint. It's also really nice too that if you're at work and you're you're heading back home and uh, you see a couple of flurries coming down, you can say, you know what, it's time to warm up the house before I get there. So it's nice to be able to control a house uh, remotely. Well, like you, I travel a fair amount and it's sure nice to be able to look at the weather when I'm on the road someplace. And maybe nobody's even at the house and go, wow, it's going to be super cold or super hot. Let's make sure that place is at least comfortable and make sure that it's where it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's also a good indicator of, uh, you know, potential problems as well. My my son-in-law was able to look at his system and see that the house was getting warm and he was able to uh, contact his contractor to be able to come out and take a look at it. Turned out to be something very simple, but he was also able to get ahead of it uh, and see that happening. So it's uh, it's interesting how all that technology works. You know, one thing I do like about all these new systems as well, and you guys do it as well, but you get so much better control of humidity, especially in some of these areas that are fairly high humidity without having to put in a dehumidifier. So, yeah. So air conditioner by design, uh, dehumidifier is an air conditioner. So an air conditioner by design is uh, a level of humidity control. Um, and then most of our product also has a mode in it uh, to where we can slow down fan speed, turn up the refrigeration cycle and actually extract a little bit more out of it. Uh, so, yeah, by nature, HVAC systems or air conditioning systems are natural dehumidifiers. 
Um, but I don't want to mislead anybody. That doesn't mean if you stick one over a swimming pool, the windows aren't going to uh, fog up. I mean, there is there is a there is a limit to what we can do. And it is many times cheaper if you've got a humidity problem to put in a dehumidifier than to run that AC as well. So it is by no means the be all end all, but just in a slightly humid house where you're not really conditioning the air, that's where it makes a difference in my book. Yep. Take the clamminess out. Right. Well, your body feels humidity the same as temperature. So that's why when you walk into a house, you're like, wow, it seems stuffy in here, but it says it's 70. Well, it's probably because you're 65, 70% humidity in the house. And that's one of the advantages of a heat pump, the fact that the exiting temperature is going to be in the hundreds, uh, the low hundreds, as opposed to uh, a much higher temperature. It's not drying out the air. So you're typically not looking for a need to add a humidifier on a heat pump side when running in the heat pump mode, where if you're using a fossil fuel, normally the temperature is higher um, and you're drying the air out. So normally uh, there's other mechanisms that are needed there for that for that enthalpic control, right? Well, it's funny. I've got gas at my house here. Um, I end up using the steam shower a little bit more and not venting it to control it because in the middle of winter when it's super dry, that's how I add the humidity back into the house. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Dennis, where do you see technology going? I mean, every year we get more and more efficient, and I'm now starting to see that they're going to be measuring things differently moving ahead with with heat pumps. Starting in January is the efficiency ratings um, known as the M1 rating. So the standard was M and this is M1. And effectively what we're doing is remeasuring the way that we take a look at an HVAC system and countering for fan speeds. So uh, the, the testing system was basically set up uh, for single speed and now the new systems to oversimplify it all the new measurement system is going to be a much more accurate reading of what the efficiency is. So it's a matter of updating the test for the current technology. Now, it's going to be a little confusing because everything that is out there today, most traditional central systems will appear to go down in efficiency. So there is a fair amount of product that will not be able to be uh, either manufactured or sold after the first of the year. And um, as is customary, we've made it a little bit cumbersome in how we're administering the rules. So everything in the South um, effectively uh, can't be installed after the first of the year. So things that don't meet the M1 standards can't be sold after the first of the year and can no longer be installed. Everything in the North, as long as it was manufactured prior to um, January 1st, then can be sold until it's depleted. So you may see you may see some challenges in getting product in the south, and you may see some some uh, price compression in the north because of availability. So it's going to be a little wonky for a while. Oh, great. So we already had our issues out there with products being on the shelf. Now the government jumped in and said, we're going to do it differently and let's mess with the supply chain just a little bit of where we can send stuff. Yeah, it could be a little bit different. But most manufacturers, now those of us that make heat pumps, um, we are, um, I, I don't want to say we're immune to it, we're not, uh, but the standards for heat pumps are written on, written on HSPFs and we are, um, for the most part, a heat pump is going to skate through 
this requirement. So the M1 standards uh, are mostly going to affect uh, air conditioning side of the business. So again, when you take a look at that furnace with a coil and a condenser, um, that landscape has changed pretty dramatically. If you are looking at a heat pump um, and then incentivizing that heat pump to to back to our original conversation, it's going to make a lot of sense to take a look at that because going to what you had um, could be, uh, there, there's more roadblocks in it, not impossible, um, but there's there's more hurdles to get there. And uh, the heat pump side is uh, going to be a lot smoother. And that's by purpose. Sure. And I also noticed if I, I might have read this wrong, but I was trying to get in the weeds on it, that if somebody was thinking about in 2023 of adding an air conditioner to an existing system, that that's going to be harder, if not impossible, if it's not a matched system. Correct. Um, so we, we as manufacturers have always uh, based our warranties around matched systems. So a match system is going to be a condenser outside, a coil inside, making sure that they're paired and sized correctly, but then also the air handler, whether that be a furnace or just an air handler for a heat pump. So having the right airflow and the right exchange of refrigerant is what's considered a matched system. Um, so if you are going new to old, um, there may be some challenges there. But again, that's why that's why you reach out to the people that do it every day, right? That's why you uh, you call in the professionals and say, you know, I, I, I could buy anything that's not under warranty. I want to buy something that works and I want to to carry the warranty on it. And that's going to be in a matched paired system. It's not hard to do the right thing. No, and I want to get on my soapbox for just a second out there because for all of our listeners, it's something that means a lot to me. You can go out and spend money on the best system in the world and if you don't have the right installer that did the calculations and the install, you could have bought the worst system because it's going to work just as poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, there's always there's always two keys to it, right? Having the right the right equipment and then having the right person install it. Um, and um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So when you see that Chuck in the truck installer that's on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, run deal with the people that are licensed bonded insured and that know the system they're putting in yeah and you know uh all i don't want to say all manufacturers but most destination brands uh have a contractor network so we recognize those contractors we're concerned about our brand and uh our, our contracting partners also want to be educated on it so they uh, they want to learn about installations. They want to learn where to apply the product. They want to learn where not to apply the product, how to service it, and then also how to uh, troubleshoot in the event something goes wrong. And let's face it, everything mechanical uh, will have a day that it needs a level of service to it. So uh, us being a destination brand, we have uh, uh, recognitions for our contractor partners to come and get continuing education so that when they go out on the site, uh, they can be well-educated and well-informed, um, be efficient in their operation, but then also return the investment back to the consumer by not standing in the yard on the phone waiting for tech support, being able to have the tools and the knowledge to be able to work down through it. And that is key. It's no different than hiring the right trade. You get the right people that are trained to do it, and that's how you get a good system working. So I noticed on the commercial side, you guys are doing, you know, HRVs, HRVs, and that kind of stuff. Do you guys do anything on the larger residential side with that? So for the 
we have the capability of doing heat exchange. We don't have our own proprietary brand on that because frankly, we find that there are a lot of really good brands out there. You know, as a manufacturer, you take a step back and say, can I add value to this space? And right now there's some really good ERVs and HRVs. And no way is that going to preclude me uh, from some point of adding that product line to us, uh, but the ability to bring in fresh air from the outside. And that's really what we're talking about. So we know that when we talk about indoor air quality, we tend to talk about uh, dilution of the air. We tend to talk about filtration, and then we tend to talk about sterilization. So when we talk about sterilization, we're looking at ozonators and UV lights and things of that nature. When we talk about filtration, then we're talking in the world of MERV, and MERV is a rating for a filter, whether it's a 9, 11, 13, whatever it may be, but how small of particles can we catch going through it? And then we also talk about dilution. So there's... Uh, the whole idea of bringing fresh air into the house, that this house feels a little stale. You know, the, the house that I grew up in was built in the 30s. Air exchange was not a problem. The windows didn't quite seal. The single pane windows didn't quite seal. Uh, you know, when you open the front door, wow. they're big gush of air, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So the air was coming in. But nowadays, we build our houses pretty tight, and I would argue maybe too tight at times. So yeah, now yeah. we need to bring that fresh air in. You know, when you turn on your bathroom fan or your your hood above your kitchen and that air is blowing out, that air is coming into the house somewhere. And it's better that you control that on how that comes in. Now, our products are our ceiling cassettes and our ducted units. Those all have the mechanisms to bring fresh air in from the outside. When we take a look at our wall mount products, then we're typically looking at some type of other resource to bring air into the house. But exchanging air in a house is a good idea. Opening the windows from time to time is not a bad idea. Our parents weren't nuts when they said that. No kidding. No kidding. It's funny. Uh, I put an air scrubber in my house when I did my system a couple of years ago. The problem I have with that is I have to unplug it when my wife is going to start baking bread because the whatever it puts out is killing the yeast. Oh, no kidding. Like, well, it's probably an ozonator then. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say you, you had to turn it off because it was attracting the neighbors. They were coming over looking for handouts. <laughs> they would with that if it was exchanged in the air that well, but it's not. So, <laughs> but yeah, literally if she's going to bake bread the day before I unplug it, otherwise the yeast one doesn't do anything. So it's fascinating. So anybody out there that has one and your cooking's not turning out with yeast, take a look at that first. Yeah, it could be that. Could very well be that. It does what it does what you bought it to do, right? Amen. It is doing it, and that's the that's the way to do it. Well, what do you see with the future, Dennis? I mean, there's so much changing right now. Do you have a crystal ball and feeling of what you see coming ahead for all this stuff? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I tell you what, we're banking on we're banking on um, a very similar path to what we are now. So it's an exciting time in the HVAC industry because we're seeing more changes in the next couple of years than we will see or have seen probably in the last 10 or 15. So we're watching the efficiency changes that are going to come the beginning of this year. And then 2025 is going to be a change of refrigerant. So we'll be changing our equipment again. So we're, we're all part of the, um, you know, the, 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 the world economy, if you will. And we've agreed it to the Montreal protocol and the Kyoto affair and all of that. What that really means is, is that we're paying attention to, global warming. And what that also means is that we're also going to take another step up the efficiency ladder. So when we take a look at 2025, we'll be changing the refrigerants that we use, and that will add a different level of uh, 
uh, sophistication to the equipment. The manufacturers, us included, are ready to take that step. Um, we've used those types of refrigerants elsewhere in the world, so uh, we're not going to be a guinea pig. So you're going to see equipment change again um, when we get to 2025. Um, we're going to continue to see smart technology, and we're going to be uh, more cloud-based. So the controls that you have in your house will be uh, more towards uh, adapting to the cloud. Uh, so you'll see more things like uh, to oversimplify, like an iPad in your house that will be connecting to the cloud. And from the cloud, you'll be able to bring other resources in um, to be able to manage all the things in your house and not just your HVAC. So, so we're going to see equipment change. We're going to see how we use our equipment change and how we uh, 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 zone out our house. And so it's an interesting time. It's a really interesting time in HVAC. Yeah, it's interesting that we're starting to see in the smart home tech where we're seeing integrations between people like you'll be able to with some, you know, you'll be able to use sensors off TVs that have a temperature sensor in them. You know, they're really starting to head that direction with tech. Yes, yes. And, I, you know, when we when we look at that and a lot of that is cloud based, so it's not uh, residing where we are and whether we're looking at LTE connection to the cloud, either through a cellular network or whether we're looking going through uh, some type of wireless connection or router connection to be able to do that. So we're seeing some jockeying for the platforms that that might be happening on. And then we're looking at a whole nother level of security on top of that as well. Uh, so now if you're looking at cameras and video at house being tied on the same app, uh, whether you're residential or commercial, right? Some of those, some of those um, um, security breaches are real. Uh, so you, yeah. we're looking at a whole nother level of all that coming in as well. So uh, it's an interesting time. It, it keeps keeps changing and evolving, and uh, the home comfort is uh, is is really exciting. It is, and it's one of the biggest things we spend money on outside of heating water in our house. That's kind of those are those top two that you're spending money on, and you need to pay attention to that. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up because, um, you know, when we take a look at I was just looking at some census stuff and some uh, uh, DOE stuff, and uh, the interesting thing is, is that we still spend more, just about half of our home energy uses are spent on our home comfort system. And when you add in the water heater, um, you're pushing somewhere around 75%. You know, we tend to focus on the light bulbs. Uh, we tend to focus on some of that stuff. Um, and all of that is important. I'm not diminishing the value of any of that. But where the energy is being used is in your HVAC system. It's being used in your domestic water uh, tempering. And it's being used in your refrigerator. If you take care of your refrigerator, your water heater, and your HVAC, that is where the money saving is. Yeah, I went uh, to speak for heat pump technology. I went to the heat pump water heater about 18 months ago. And I tell you what, I went from gas to that. And I was kind of wondering if that was the right choice. I should have done it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great technology out there. Um, you know, and when, you, and when you think of the heat pump, the heat pump is the physics that we learned in sixth grade, right? It's the three states of matter. It's a solid, liquid, and gas. And that's changed by temperature and pressure. So by changing pressure, you change temperature and absorb pressure or give it up. It's really a very, very simple model. The only difference is, is that we're using a highly efficient refrigerant to be able to do it. So the technology is really there to be able to do it. So running a motor um, requires less energy than the amount of heat that you can transfer. So uh, when you start, when you 
sit down and take a practical look at it, heat pump makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. So is this uh, Freon change? Is that going to be one of those things, the refrigerant? Is that going to be something where the old stuff's going to be banned like we have in the past, or is it just going to be a manufacturing change? So uh, there'll be a phase through, right? So, um, you know, when we went from R22 to R410A, um, we saw a manufacturing change. We saw a reclamation period of time, and then we saw an eventual phase out of it. Now, 22 is still available, uh, but today um, you would struggle to you would struggle to repair an R22 system. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to do that. So you're wow. going to see, you know, when you flip the switch on January 1st of 2025, all the 410A stuff is not all of a sudden become obsolete and become, um, you know, unserviceable. Um, I suspect that we won't be selling uh, 410A product like we have in the past. Uh, sure. But that being said, uh, you'll be able to get refrigerant and certainly parts for a warranty period. Um, but now when somebody calls us with an R22 system, um, we can get the part, but, you know, it's, it's not cost effective. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Cool. cool. Dennis, is there something that we've missed today? We're just, man, we blasted through the show already. Yeah, it's always, uh, time always flies when I get the opportunity to spend time with you. Uh, you know, the only thing I would uh, direct is that we talked about some great, great things today. We've talked about rebates. We talked about efficiency. We talked about equipment. And if you'd allow me, I would, I would say that we've got a really, really good website. That's fujitsugeneral.com. And on there is going to give you a look of what the product looks like and and how it works. But it's also got that eco rebate uh, center. So if uh, if you're interested in learning what those rebates are, um, you can go in there. You can enter your zip code, or if you wait long enough, it determines where you are. It's a little creepy, uh, but it'll tell you exactly where you are, and then it'll tie you to your local utility company, which is going to be your provider for the incentives. And it'll tell you exactly what equipment qualifies for exactly how much amount of money. So it's worth the five minutes to go there and say, okay, you know what? Uh, there is $500 or $1,000 or $2,000 available on this piece of equipment. Um, you know, maybe it is time to have a conversation, call in that HVAC contractor and take a look at it. So thank you. Anytime that you can use other people's money to help improve your house, you're heading down the right road. Absolutely. And then there's that important locate a contractor thing on there as well. Yeah, so I, I had talked about that earlier, that we like to coach up our contractors and and they like to be the best informed and really good at what they do. And that's by going to training. So we um, we give contractors uh, ratings, if you will, um, based on the number of installations they have and the number of hours they spend in a classroom. Uh, so our top level is our lead contractor and they're the best of the best. They're the ones that have installed the most systems, so it's not going to be new to them. And they're also the ones that invested an incredible amount of time in training to learn how to install, apply, affix, and service the equipment. So not every area has elite contractors, but many areas do. If you have your choice, uh, you want to take a hard look at them. Dennis Denson, thanks for coming on today, brother. Really appreciate it, and I can't wait till next time. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine, and I look forward to it. Best of the holidays to you. You too, brother. I'm Eric G, and you've been listening to Around the House. Love is a love song. Let's be lovers. We're all over the radio. Take my hand. I know where to go. All over the radio with you. 
Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.